passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome, everybody, to Rewind a Dynamite. It's John Pollock. It is Wei Tang here on this Wednesday night. Hello, Wei. How you doing, John? What's up? I'm I'm doing okay. We have a lot to discuss. When that Dynamite main event ended at 9.56, I sat back and I said, I am about to type a lot. I knew those four minutes, they were not going to waste a second, and they (sighs) did not. And that was the most furious end to a Dynamite in recent memory. It was unbelievable. Like, what an incredible high. What a great start to the show. Um, That was, you know, very differently paced, but, like, nonetheless, a highlight in its own way. And the end of the show was the complete, like, ADD-ridden opposite in the best way. So I I can't wait to talk about this show. We're going to get into this a big edition of Dynamite, but... Off the top, we have our own big announcements to make because this coming Saturday, it is the launch of Collision, and it is going to be a new weekly show that listeners at the Post Wrestling Cafe are going to get each and every weekend, and we are going to have two more than capable bodies that will be stepping in to find out the the true treat that is recapping AEW shows with notes every week, and that has been bestowed upon our new hosts. So first, let us introduce uh, number one, and that is the man behind each Dynamite report every single Wednesday night, a man who can summarize in 15 minutes or less, but we are giving him uh, no time limit on Saturdays and Sundays here on the Post Wrestling Cafe. John Sino is here. Hello, John. Hello, hello. Thank you. On Saturday, give me the microphone. I have a lot to get off my chest, okay? So let's get it started. Collision, Saturdays. I am ready for this. Well, unlike Shot in the Dark, we are not sending you off by yourself on weekends to recap Collision. Joining you each and every week, one of the most popular people in the post-wrestling community, Kate from Montreal, will be our official Collision correspondent because I demanded that we had to have someone that could endure the TSN Plus experience every single week, as uh, Kate will be uh, having to uh, rely upon. So, Kate, we look forward to uh, all of your opinions and the Canadian angle for Collision as well. 
mean, my neck hurts from trying to look at this on my computer screen all the time. I suppose, but any, I'm not. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it. I talked about it on Friday. I've talked about it enough. I'm just going to try to limit myself to one complaining comment per week, and eventually, I'm sure they'll hear me and change everything. I am in- incredibly excited for the combination of you two. Um, out of all of our incredible contributors on the site, I think, in my opinion, like, um. You two just seem to be some of the most connected to the AEW product. We're talking, you know, I feel like you guys might, might have seen everything that, you know, Tony Khan has produced in a professional wrestling ring. Um, and that alone, I think is, is more than enough qualification beyond the fact that you're both great, great broadcasters on your own. Right. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to these shows on Saturday. I wanted to ask, uh, starting with, with Kate and then get John's uh, answer as well. Um, coming off of Dynamite, like we're fresh off the show, where is, do you sense the, the buzz for Collision? It's all built around CM Punk, but, uh, with some of the other match announcements tonight, like how, how, how would you look at this in terms of a, a setup for a brand new show? I think that they did a decent job of just showing, okay, these are the people you're going to see there. And they'd already teased that before, but actually announcing matches, announcing that Miro is going to be on there. Uh, Buddy Matthews versus Andrade, which I am assuming may set up a trios match in the the future with uh, LFI versus House of Black, which I think would be an excellent match. It did, it, it did a little more than what it had to. Plus of course the, the, the punk video, um, I think that they they did a good job of setting it up punk show. But it's not just the punk show. You're going to be seeing uh, some special people who you haven't seen in a while. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious. I, I, I'm out of breath from watching Dynamite. I'm sorry. Like I feel I feel like I just ran a marathon. And all I was doing was sitting on my ass watching TV. John, how about you? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting time because it's going into Forbidden Door. So you, who knows who might show up? They might have some more matches to announce for Forbidden Door from New Japan talent or whatnot. But the first episode is mostly behind Punk, right? They all but confirmed that he's going to talk. He's going to have some stuff to get off his chest. Um, and then the match is good. The six-man match. I, I'm really looking forward to the crowd. Obviously, the Chicago crowd is going to be pretty hot. But how are they going to react to what Punk says? What exactly is he going to say? And how is this going to go into the effect the following weeks when he's going to be in Canada for three or four weeks after that. So I'm just really intrigued with the crowd and what kind of reaction he's going to get and what is he going to give out for free? Is he going to give out muffins? Is he going to give out cupcakes? Who knows? But I'm just more interested in the whole crowd reaction. And also from what Tony Khan said on uh, on Thursday and Pollock that he wants his presentation to look different, to stand out different than Dynamite. So I'm really concerned about that. Like, how's it going to feel different? Is it going to look like Rampage? Is it going to look like Dynamite? Look, I want it to look as totally different, as different as possible from any other show uh, that AEW produces. So just a, a note that on this Saturday to start, you guys won't be alone because John Pollock will be a part of that particular show as well. And you guys will be going live on Saturday evening right after Collision, correct? Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, we will be live uh, minutes after. So uh, you, you will get the full AEW experience of us uh, racing to uh, to go live after Collision. So that will be this Saturday. Uh, the following yep. week, uh, Wei Ting is going to be on the show, and from then on, it will be John Cena and Kate from Montreal each weekend at postwrestlingcafe.com, and I'm looking forward to uh, sitting back and listening to you each weekend uh, dissect Collision, and also, uh, you know, an opportunity to chat about uh, some of the other and all wrestling that uh, the two of you uh, consume. So the forum is yours, and we really look forward to it, as I'm sure uh, the audience is as well, to hearing you guys on, on a regular basis each and every week here on Post. Well, thank you very much for uh, for selecting us for uh, for coming to us. I'm I'm super excited. I I can't wait to be trying this out every week. It'll be interesting. And I would All assume right. on Saturday, 
maybe you might have a big announcement of what about what the show will be called. Yeah, we can say that for them for sure. Yeah, right. yeah, that that would be a thing. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we d- we won't give out all announcements at once. We we learn that you announce when the future announcement is coming as well. So that's Saturday night. We'll be live minutes after AEW Collision from Chicago. So uh, give it up for your new Collision team, John Cena and Kate from Montreal, and uh, we will chat with you on Saturday, both of you. Indeed. Thank you guys Thanks so much. Bye. All right. A big thank you to uh, John and Kate for uh, jumping on to make that announcement. And we're looking forward to hearing them every weekend at postwrestlingcafe.com. And as long as Dark Side of the Ring is running and we're doing the double shot, as we will be tonight, as soon as this show is done, we're jumping over to the cafe. You're going to be getting pretty much four straight cafe shows in a row with the double shot, our, our regular Thursday release this week. It is rewind away, rewind to SmackDown. Nothing is changing there with myself and way. And then the weekend drop will be uh, John and Kate reviewing collision. So um, yeah, a, a lot we, that we are packing onto the cafe in, in those days. Yeah. And, and as far as like um, our coverage of rampage goes, I, I feel like uh, from a week to week basis, it, it, it might not be very consistent, but I, I can already tell that um, Kate and Tina will probably be watching and they will be uh, more than capable of, I think, fulfilling that sort of a quota and that sort of coverage. So. I think key stuff from Rampage will be covered by by John and Kate, and it allows us to get on an hour earlier on Fridays. It's easier for, for calls and, and people to get on as well. And those that are in the chat and still want to chat about Rampage on Friday night, you are more than welcome to still do so. The calls that we do on Friday night are never restricted to SmackDown. You can chat about anything you want. It's your one, uh, you know, call segment of the week that uh, we put out there for all the cafe members. So a lot is coming up. Uh, I do want to mention we do have the Tony Khan interview up on the site today that Brandon Thurston and I conducted earlier this week. Uh, wait, what were your thoughts just uh, of anything coming out of the interview? Anything uh, surprising or noteworthy to you? Well, first of all, I, I think, you know, you guys did a great job, as I would expect the two of you uh, would, you know, um, industry leaders that I think you, you both are as journalists. Um, I think he's a very difficult <laughs> interview to to try to crack. You know, at this point, I think th- the Tony Khan sort of like defense is has been very criticized. And it's something that I'm not even sure if he's completely conscious of when he answers, you know, something in the public forum, he just like, he just kind of like takes your question, and he will touch upon the subject, but not exactly give you the thing that you're looking for. And I thought you two did a great job of trying to fight back and at least pushing for, you know, a little bit more. Um, and I think there there was like at least, you know, some some pretty interesting information, maybe a little bit more of a clarity about his expectations about, you know, uh, uh, the TV deal coming up and, and whether or not the one year option will be taken. Uh, why don't you maybe go through some of like the, the more newsworthy notes that you, you found from the interview? Well, I when it comes to the TV contract, I thought it was as sure or as much of an assurance as we have heard to this point that that option has either been picked up or both sides are working with the expectation it's going to be. I mean, Tony Khan said as much that you can expect AEW programming in 2024. So I take that to mean like this option for next year is going to be activated, if not has already been done. It would not seem, it would not seem too logical that they would put all of this into the launch of a collision show with the idea that it could only be on the air until the end of the year. It would mm-hmm. seem to be that that option is enacted. So I, I took that as something noteworthy. I mean, 
up until tonight's uh, video with CM Punk, like we, we got the most out of him just in terms of, you know, a promo segment, which I think everyone expected, but it was clarification. You're getting that promo. And I guess that's sort of where I land in this is that I can understand, like he has been consistent about his, in a, is his unwillingness to speak about the punk incident and all out at all. At the same time, when you are then airing this video and the whole selling features, I've got a lot of things on my mind. It's like, to me, it's you are trying to benefit off of it while at the same time, completely ignoring it. And like, let's remember that in the like first television match that the elite came back to in Chicago, they're doing CM Punk mockery mm-hmm. spots. They're right down to the biting of the arm deal. So, I mean, it's, it's hard. It seems that though we will not talk about this under any circumstances except on screen when our key players can benefit from it. Sure. Yeah. And the appeal um, of this first show on Saturday. I mean, that's a big reason why a promo with CM Punk is so interesting and is probably going to draw a very healthy number on Saturday. Yeah. I'm, I wonder if there's like, you know, maybe within Tony's mind, like a dis- distinction between like what he says in an interview versus what he presents on screen in sort of like a storyline context. You know, p- perhaps he's he's of the opinion that like when it's on screen for the purposes of entertainment, well, then it's fair game. Um, But, you know, he like legal reasons kind of being the the sort of default excuse, I guess. I, I don't know how, how that necessarily necessarily plays. There's into, obviously you know, those screen. concerns. And Elizabeth, like my philosophy has always been that whenever you are with a subject, it is not their job to answer your questions. Mm-hmm. You hope that they do. But. On the other side of the coin, it is mine to ask them. So I can only ask as much as possible. And Tony Khan has been pretty consistent when it comes to this. But I I still think the question should be asked. And, and there's many other questions that you can ask as it relates to that. And I just feel that as we go into this, it's such a big topic. And I don't know if they're completely aware that it's the big topic at hand or if they... They have if, to be aware, dude. I mean, again, the pro- punk promo this week essentially kind of insinuated that he would directly address it. Well, I would argue it is so big that to not address it and to not have any game plan to eventually go in that direction, like, is that going to be, is that creating that friction with your audience that they are going to be demanding that? Or or are we making it bigger than it is that this audience is going to accept punk coming back? They're going to be separate on on the brands and they are, and it will be, it's hard to imagine that there is still not going to be this cloud as punk returns and continues to shine a light on this. And inevitably he is going to be asked about this. And is he going to be as disciplined about not answering anything about it? So I would say if come Saturday, like punk dances around the situation and doesn't really say much about it. Um, I, I think that would be cause for complaint. That would be cause to me for self ad- false advertising, you know, uh, and addressing it could simply be like, you know, like a, a couple lines here and there saying like, Hey, this thing happened. Like, you know, it, 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 like he just has to at least acknowledge is its existence. And I think that would maybe be satisfying enough. Like, um, what is the scene? If he comes out and he's seated in the ring and the crowd there, of course they're going insane. And mm-hmm. then it turns into an F the elite chant throughout the arena. Then you let it play out. Oh, well, well, what, how, what does letting it play out mean? Like let, what? Let, like what does Punk say at that point? What should he say? 
You know, like, listen, I, I know in the in Tony Khan's mind, I'm sure like for for his uh, dreams, you know, this this ultimately ends up in a big match that you could sell a series of, of matches that you could sell. Yeah, this is the kind of angle that would like light this new show on fire. It would take the company into such a like it is the big angle that you could do that could certainly um, mm-hmm. elevate this company at the very least get collision off to this dynamic start. Um you know, it, it's the biggest story. And if if they are just keeping this very quiet and they believe that they are going to get to that, great. But I don't think too many people believe that's the case. And how much are you going to be fighting against the tide if you have all these players here, your audience is tied to this story? Um, that's that's what time is going to tell us in three months, like what the status of this is. Well, there are a lot of variables. I think we, we, before we could even entertain that idea, right? We, we have to settle the, the elite's contract statuses. Um, you know, punk, whether or not, like, how will he function on the road? Like in, in this sort of setting, you know, on, on a week to week basis. Um, I, I think that's, that's, you know, enough to, 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 to create a little bit of cause for concern before you can even talk about, you know, a year from now, what, what natural, what program might you book between the two, two sides? Um, but I think things are on track for that being the ultimate destination later on. I mean, I have to think that everybody involved here will be able to put differences enough aside for the betterment of the company, for the betterment of their own pocketbooks, really. Um, but you know, this is kind of like day one. Of, of that very long path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they've created a lot of buzz for this first show. I thought that that video was spectacular tonight mm-hmm. with CM Punk. To me, I watched that video and I, I see them moving a lot of tickets for the United Center. Like, not like not yeah. crazy, but I think that we were talking the other night about hitting 10,000. I, I feel that's a very realistic marker to yeah. expect. That was a great video for Punk. And they are, like, the promo is the main event as much as they're billing the six-man tag. Is. The promo is the main event. And... Yep probably would would start the show unless mm-hmm. they strategically have a different reason for it being later in the show but you would think that that's going to be the hot thing to to grip everyone off the top and get a solid first quarter and hopefully keep people for the main event with the six of them i mean looking at this card yes i i think like miro is you know returning is is a decently attractive um thing um andrade returning is a decently attractive thing but this show is really just being sold on one thing and that's well two things cm punk's speech and also cm punk wrestling um trying to think about like how they might pair it you know logic would tell you they start off with the punk promo and and end the show with with him to book in that way but is there another way to play it that might be just as beneficial um could he talk right before he wrestles in the main event probably not i'm I'm probably willing to bet that they'll do that but yeah um i i think tonight was really good like the video package um not only did it give you fresh footage of cm punk for the first time in months you got to see him training you got to see him talk and cut a brand new promo um and you got the promise that he will talk in addition to wrestling plus he will be talking about things that have been really bothering him things he has to get off his chest which you know one can only assume is everything to do with the fallout from brawl out and and the and and the the incident itself so that is more than enough, I think, you know, to create a big deal of anticipation for this first show. So we'll go a bit backwards here, but the lineup for Collision is the six-man tag with the Punk promo. Miro will be in action coming back after like a year. Wardlow against Luchasaurus for the TNT title. Tony Storm and Ruby Soho against Willow Nightingale and Sky Blue. And Andrade El Idolo making his return, taking on Buddy Matthews. So that is five matches uh, announced so far. 
and the promo with CM Punk. But no elite on the show. Nope. No yep. elite on, on the show. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'll be interested to see like um, how separate, you know, Tony Khan has like not made any concrete plans about any sort of like, you know, firm roster split. And obviously people like Sky Blue are, are, are going to be across both shows at least this time. But beyond that, who will be excluded? Who who will be kind of kept off these these shows? Um, not that one week is you know that much indication, but it would at least start us um, to give us a little bit of information to be able to decide. And you have dynamite in Chicago next Wednesday as well. Yeah, and and does Punk appear in that one? Um, certainly no no hints towards that, and you'll know 100 percent by by Saturday because I would say you would you would want to make that clear uh, either way because I would I would never want to leave it as you're a you're a fan going to Dynamite in Chicago and you're naturally assuming Punk is there now that he's back like that's a natural assumption I think the average fan would make and I think you would want to make that clear on Saturday if he's not going to be there or if he is going to be there and it, it's kind of tricky to like. How, how do you alert people? Hey, I'm not going to be there on, on Wednesday, but th- your fan base is going to expect that on Wednesday. I would think at least a healthy percentage of them would be, whether he's announced Perhaps. or not. I think disappointment is not always the, the worst thing when you have enough, like other things to leave people satisfied and, and, you know, a go home show before forbidden door. We can expect a lot of surprises. Let's, uh, we don't have a, a ton of news because we're going to be getting to dynamite pretty, uh, quickly, but just some ratings notes from Tuesday. We went over the raw numbers on, uh, on, uh, with Brandon earlier today. So NXT on Tuesday night did 581,000 viewers and a 0.16. They were down 6% in viewers, down seven in the demo, but this was against, uh, although it was a blowout, um, it was against the, uh, the last game of the, uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. So they, they had a bit of a drop, still finishing eighth among cable originals, which is still high for NXT, not to the extent of the last two weeks, but nonetheless, a very respectable number against um, against the NHL, which was simulcast on both TNT and True TV. TBS was running the Yankees and Mets game. And with NXT, they are loading up the next two weeks. They are branding these shows as uh, NXT Gold Rush. So next week, we'll have the Braun Breaker-Seth Rollins match. And then in two weeks' time, they are doing Baron Corbin against Carmelo Hayes for the NXT Championship. And they're doing uh, a series of title matches over these two weeks. You've got uh, Wesley against Tyler Bate next week. In two weeks, Thea Hale challenging Tiffany Stratton. And then the uh, three-way number one contenders tag match next week that sets up a tag title match two weeks from now. But you have Los Lotharios now showing up, Dana Brooke, Baron Corbin's a regular for the foreseeable future. Rollins pops up next week. So it's just continuing to be a a steady uh, diet of main roster talent. And it looks like these next two weeks where there's no playoff competition, they are, I think next week in, in particular, are shooting for a big number to promote for the next week. It's hard for me to think anybody mentioned outside of a Seth Rollins is any sort of difference maker, but um, like, what exactly is the explanation for why people might be tuning more into NXT lately? You know, because I can't imagine a Baron Corbin and Mustafa Ali appearing would play any sort of significant difference, other than the fact that like it just it kind of makes the show a bit more relevant and makes the world kind of feel a bit more connected. Um, but you know, maybe maybe that's all it takes. So uh, Rollins, you definitely have high expectations though for that particular week. Oh, I think so. Yeah, I, I would 
I would say you have a very high expectation for what what that match does next week. I mean, there, there's not too many of the realistic names that you could see. Like, I, I don't foresee a Roman Reigns coming down and doing an NXT show. I don't expect um, – I don't even know if you would expect that, like, an Usos uh, to, to come down and do a, a – a show in NXT. I guess, I guess people are on the table. If you're doing Rollins, it's Ronda, of course. I think Ronda's going to 100% do a match mm-hmm. if you do this title unification. So I think that's probably, you know, everything is just stacking things up with these, with the NXT contract coming up in the fall. And we'll see if it makes any kind of meaningful difference of what NXT is valued as this standalone property. Like, can you see outside interest in NXT beyond USA Network for just NXT being on the table? To me, it's, it's one of those things. It's a nice value add if you are going in on Raw or going in on SmackDown, but on its own, like what, how many people are out there that are interested in it? It's, you know, it's a, like we looked at those FX numbers. It's above the average on FX, but we're not talking about the level of a Raw or SmackDown. This is a significant step down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know how much it's, it's good, you know, how what the budgets of some of these networks are, but it's hard for me to see somebody picking up maybe the third brand by by a long mile uh, without housing one of the other two. And Dark Side of the Ring, which we will talk about on the double shot, did 197,000 viewers and a .06 in the demo. Uh, this was the most watched episode this season. And if you go back to season three, it was it beat like the second half of that season, all but one episode. So this was. I was somewhat surprised that the Grams did so well. It's not going to be a name that um, a modern generation is going to be too familiar with. And we'll get into it more in the discussion. Like this, this was very much um, not a wrestling episode to me. It was um, a completely different theme that, that was covered, but it did do well. And this was going against the last hour of the NHL game on, on top of that. So uh, a big jump in both viewership and the demo for Dark Side of the Ring. And last news note, this comes from Fightful Select that spotted at Dynamite today and coming on board with AW is Jimmy Jacobs in some kind of producer creative uh, capacity. He has been at Impact Wrestling since 2017. And I think that's a, a very interesting pickup that, I mean, Jimmy Jacobs is someone that has gotten great reviews in terms of his creative contributions, both when he was with WWE on their writing staff and then going to Impact where, I mean, if you've been watching Impact Wrestling, it is a very well-booked promotion i think like their long-term stuff is it's it's really hard to some things is not going to be everyone's taste with like the uh the undead realm and that stuff but in terms of booking like their titles and a lot of their characters it's it's a very well done show and and he was a part of that seems like things are coming full circle here if you remember um the reason why jimmy jacobs was no longer in the the uh, the 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 elite invasion Because of the infamous photo that he decided to take with the elite uh, outside of the venue. And um, I honestly would have expected him to like be a part of AEW actually sooner than this. But um, I, I mean, not from all I, I've ever heard about his uh, creative abilities, he seems like, you know, quite the asset. Um, Seth Rollins, I believe, you know, was really um, adamant about working with him at the time. So I'm curious to see what he'll be responsible for and what we may find out that he was actually responsible for. 
and reunited with Chris Jericho, among others, that he worked very closely with in WWE as well. So there you go. Another pickup. And with a new show in Collision, I think it's good to be having these Mm -hmm. uh, different figures in there, like your Sanjay Dutts and, you know, other people that have creative backgrounds um, with them. So... There you have it. All the news, including our Tony Khan interview, can be found up at postwrestling.com and youtube.com slash postwrestling. As we mentioned on the Post Wrestling Cafe, we're going live as soon as we're done the Dynamite review for the double shot covering the Dark Side of the Ring episode on the Graham family. And then Thursday, it is Rewind Away covering Ring of Honor's Best in the World 2011. Headlined by Eddie Edwards and Davey Richards for the ROH title. The return of Kevin Steen as he is brought back by Steve Carino and Jimmy Jacobs. It is the earliest uh, the, the earliest indication of what would form as scum uh, in, the, in the months to come as uh, Kevin Steen returns. And we also get a, a four-way elimination tag title match and a big crossroads event for ROH. This is their first event since the Sinclair takeover. So we go deep into the wholesale from Kerry Silken to Sinclair, the ideas and the move to syndication, a big turning point for ROH that this event falls in the center of. Yeah, a lot happening in this week in, in the world of wrestling. Uh, so we travel back to that just a day before the big pipe bomb from CM Punk. So uh, maybe even an El Generico versus Chris Daniels match appearing in there as well. All right. And then Rewind to SmackDown is Friday night at 10 Eastern. And then Saturday night, I will be with Kate and John Ceno after collision. Let's get into a really a uh, packed edition of Dynamite from the site of the very first edition of the show, the Capital One Center in Washington, D.C. Kevin Smith was not in the front row, so he is free to go to SmackDown this week. Won't get his appearance yanked. Do you remember that? Um, No. Okay, so he, what, he, he showed was up there on- in the front row at Dynamite, and then he was scheduled to go to the premiere of SmackDown two days later, mm. and they yanked Kevin Smith after he appeared on Dynamite. Oh, goodness. Wow. So the war was on immediately with Kevin Smith being the first casualty. MJF and Adam Cole, the title eliminator match is going to kick things off. And the bell rings. This place is going pretty wild just by ringing the freaking bell, as MJF had stated last week. And um, one listener noted this to me because I did not catch it. But did you see that MJF on his elbow pad, which he he works in all these... uh lines now that it has become like an easter egg for his matches uh, it had the words vince was right i did not notice but i mean good on the several people online who were, were watching close enough to catch something like that they don't miss anything here Mm-mm. uh mjf was taunting cole and uh, doing the strut and the the hip thrust and cole slides uh, across uh to the floor and gets caught in the ring skirt. And then MJF rams his hand into the steps. And this began MJF systematically breaking down this man's hand and then moving on to the shoulder. And I thought, I thought this was a a great, just isolating the body part by MJF and Cole doing some terrific selling that we'll get into later. MJF, he's doing the sweet chin music setup out of the corner for Cole, who stops Max with his own super kick in the mouth. And MJF is spitting up this blood and it was like a fair amount of it. And you're watching this and like, there was enough of it that you're thinking like, this has to be like a, like a worked injury, but it played into like, there was nothing to play off of. And it was so early in the match um, that I honestly don't know if he just caught him here or if it was, uh, it, it seemed as though it was 
Because right after, Cole is attacking his face with kicks, but it was nothing that they kind of went back to. It didn't play into any kind of larger story in the match. It was just kind of there early on. I would just assume, you know, uh, maybe a a kick that was a, a little bit too close to the bone. Cole is constantly going for the Panama Sunrise, and MGF would always have an answer for it. And it, it became like this, the big struggle of Adam Cole to try and hit the Panama Sunrise. And he would snap Cole's arm on the top rope. Uh, he ducks the boom and then goes to a double underhook shoulder breaker, just constantly destroying this shoulder. Then he goes for the Panama Sunrise on the edge. It's teased. MJF stops it. He hits a tombstone on the edge. Cole continues to sell and at one point tries for a punch, but he can't wind up because of the shoulder. I thought this was great. So instead, he's got to rely on super kicks. So he has to use his kicking offense. So MJF drops him with a lariat. At this point, this crowd is just loving this match. They're applauding both guys. We get counters from a crossface to the salt of the earth. Cole to the ankle lock and then MJF getting a rings of Saturn on the injured shoulder and Cole having to reach the rope with his foot. So Cole places, uh, it gets placed onto the timekeeper's table and MJF flies off the top with an elbow drop and he wants the count out win. Cole beats it at the count of nine. The crowd is just roaring here at Cole coming back. So we get MJF who does the Eddie Guerrero spot, but with a twist where Bryce gets knocked down after a roll-up and a kick-out. He gets the belt, tosses it to Cole, and goes down. And everyone realizes the spot. But Bryce, as he's struggling to his feet, he's still injured. So he never sees Cole holding the belt, and the crowd realizes this. And this Mm -hmm. is like the first time I have seen a new iteration of this spot. It always gets over, but I like the fact that this was... This went from a babyface spot to a heel spot for mm-hmm. MJF, and Cole gets to blast him with the title belt, and the crowd was so happy that this turned on MJF, this plan of his. I suppose it's about time somebody figured out, you know, like the next stage of this particular spot. Why does it happen to work out every single time? What if it doesn't? What would take place? Yes, a lot of trusting referees that just... Uh, assume what has happened in front of them with this belt being the smoking gun. (laughs) So he lowers the knee pad, hits the boom, and Bryce with the slowest count, and MJF kicks out at two. He goes for another boom, but MJF slumps down to the mat, and with Bryce's uh, with Bryce turned, Cole gets hit with a low blow, and MJF goes to put his ring on, and as he goes to blast Cole, Bryce catches him with the ring. The place goes nuts. There's a super kick by Cole. He hits the Panama Sunrise, and dude, I'm eyeing that stopwatch, and he hits the boom, and I was like, this is going to be razor thin, and dude, he gets on top of him after the boom. One, two, ding, 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 and as my witness of this stopwatch, dude, they hit this thing <laughs> to the goddamn second. Wow. And, uh, yeah. I just, the amount of pressure to hit this. Um, and granted, I think crowds will somewhat give people some, some leniency, but mm-hmm. man, dude, on my stopwatch here, not saying it's scientific, they nailed this. Well, and this crowd, like they were deflated, but there was also like the understanding that we saw a goddamn great match and you're always going to get the booze on a time limit draw. But 
You didn't just see a great match, John. You saw an outstanding human feat of timing take place. Okay. And absolutely, like, we are used to, like, you know, like made up times, you know, for any sort of like Royal Rumble or anything like that. This was one where I think they were very aware that there were people like a John Pollock or people that, you know, are are working for, for a cage match or people on Wikipedia that are specifically timing these matches. And they made the effort to do it legitimately, going the full 30 seconds and timing this everything up until this down to the second so that they could hit this target and man they they nailed it it was outstanding absolutely this, this match was unbelievable like this would have been one of the better like a like a paper a high level pay-per-view match um yeah to me i i think this might have been um certainly my favorite aew match adam cole has been in and yes. i I think this is just uh, another in the the notch for MJF, which it's always funny when he does his press conferences after. And granted, a lot of this, you know, it's it's the the character work of, you know, the people who don't believe I'm a great wrestler. I'm like, who are like, I don't hear that. I don't see any of that from from people. Like, I don't see anyone that is he's just a great promo. Like, I don't see any of that. And I haven't for. Uh, I cannot remember. Maybe to start, you know, because maybe he he wasn't active enough, or maybe not, not didn't take part in you know enough high profile matches. And I think we've so been so a, a accustomed to people being spectacular at one thing and not necessarily having all the tools at such exceptional levels. But he he does, you know, like every instance we've seen of him when he gets to have these you know pretty long matches or even sometimes short matches, like they're memorable, they're incredibly creative and technical. Like th- that's one thing you know like this could have been a 30 minute match um but it had chapters it had you know logic in 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 the psychology with the body part targeting um gave you like enough spectacle with like you know the diving elbow and things like that and most of all it stuck a really impressive landing that i didn't know was coming now you you timed these matches so maybe in your mind you kind of had an inkling but um I, they didn't announce the you know time limit approaching. No, they didn't do any of the like ten minutes. And the fact and that's is for the benefit of the surprise at the end. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's one of the reasons. Like in Mid South or any of these territories, they would do it every match. They'd always give you the time update so that when you are going to do the draw, you're not telegraphing it. And that would have been the case here if all of a sudden they're doing twenty minutes gone, ten minutes. Now remaining. telegraphing is good if you don't really have like the intention of like timing something this perfectly, right? Like sometimes you want to use that drama to build to like, oh, can this guy like hit this move and fit his like count in? Like you're you're really ramping the crowd up. Sometimes you're using that sort of anticipation. But here they were going for something different. They were going for shock and surprise um, for a near fall that w- wasn't really supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, you've built to a rematch tremendously well. Oh, um, and so well. Whenever yeah. you're ready to do that. And I guess the, the question just becomes where that destination is, if this is a TV match or if you're going the long route and this becomes all in or all out even. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it seems like a really far way away. But I will say if you're going to like sort of placate the Cole MJF feud for a few months, you know, by by stopping it so that we can get through Forbidden Door and then picking it back up later. I couldn't have pictured a better way to to shoot Adam Cole up to title contention status than a, a, not just a 30 minute time limit draw, but one that was executed so well. Um, He's definitely like at a much higher level 
coming out of this match than he was prior. So I think now the audience is going to be with him for this chase. You know, he's going to have to climb back up to earn that title shot. And maybe in that time, you might time it out before all out. Mm-hmm. All yeah, in, and you I should, say. it should be the story of MJF denying him the title shot. You had 30 minutes to beat me. You could not do it. And Cole demands five more minutes, but MJF just slides out of the ring. The crowd boos him. Just an excellent, excellent match from, from these two. Certainly match of the week. I think we get, we, we can state. Yeah, at the very least. Although it depends on like your style of match, because like if somebody were were to say they 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 enjoyed the main event more or even that eight man more coming out of the show, I I wouldn't have a big disagreement. Well, th- th- this was my match of the show for sure. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Video airs for CM Punk, and he says the only thing certain about CM Punk is that nothing is certain, and he has scores to settle, things left to do. We see training footage of him, and he won't know what he's going to say until he has that microphone, and that was a very menacing tone he used as he was wearing a Bob Probert shirt, and he has a lot of things to get off his chest. But probably not this shirt. I'm sure he enjoys this, this this shirt. Doesn't want to get that off his chest. Looked in really good shape, you know, from the little uh, training montage we, we got to see of him. I mean, you know, the guy is, of course, coming off the injury and uh, has been working out in the gym. So uh, not only does he have, um, I think, you know, a lot of ex- expectations to fulfill on the microphone, but in ring as well. We're going to get to see what he looks like with a year layoff at his age. Yeah, I mean the guy is he he is 44 now. He has had two big injuries over the last year. So that's that is going to be a a, a focused aspect of this return with CM Punk. So that's the big the big draw for Saturday. Renee Paquette in her first of I think 85 interviews on this show brings out Sammy Guevara. This is his first appearance since Double or Nothing and he says, you know, he has experienced the highs with his wife becoming pregnant and the lows of coming up short for the title, but his his goal is still to become champion, but he has some tough decisions to make and needs to make some changes. Darby comes out, congratulates him on having the baby and says that the audience is starting to love him again, which this reaction from this crowd, hardly unanimous, I would say, that they are yeah. together to love this guy. They were this like, was a, a Darby, a- you do not speak for all of us. This, this is a, a very mixed Guevara crowd. It's a little bit of mind tricks here from, from Darby Allen, trying to convince us that we were cheering for Sammy Guevara when I don't think we really were. Yeah, it's like, we 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 are cheering the baby, but that does not make you a baby face. Yes. So. <laughs> He has asked, are you going to stand on your own two feet or continue to be in the shadow of the Jericho Appreciation Society? Me and Sting view each other as equals, 
And I think I know what the answer is, Sammy. But before Sammy Guevara can confirm or deny that, Jericho comes out, tells Darby to shut up, and tells Sammy that during the last three months when you chased for the title, you never called me. If you had, you would be AEW champion right now. And Guevara responds, well, you never called me, and I could have helped you instead of losing to Adam Cole twice. Jericho says, I want an apology. Guevara ain't apologizing for shit. So Jericho then says that we need to reunite the sex gods next week to remind Guevara who is boss, who the what the pecking order is. And Darby enters stating, if you're looking for a match, you might call yourself the wizard. But when you step into this ring, the magic is gone. Jericho responds, calling him a mutant. And Darby notes, I am not alone. And out comes Sting. And this was just perfect because (laughs) someone just randomly tweeted Jericho this week about one day wrestling Sting. And Jericho, just knowing what's coming, just responds and says, never happening. No interest in it. And here he, here, here he knows 48 hours later, he's going to be shooting his first angle with Sting. So it will be a tag match next week. It's Darby Allen and Sting against Jericho and Guevara in Chicago. And Jericho leaves, but on his own as Guevara stays in the ring. Um, I thought this turned out to be a really great setup for this tag team match coming up. Um, certainly the jury is still out on whether Sammy Guevara will work as a babyface. Um, I think he just has such a naturally dislikable face that it's 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 tough to want to cheer for this guy no matter what he does jericho is the guy to work with though if you if you want to get him in the baby face role like that is the guy to pair him with you think so i don't know i don't i i don't know if that's a sure bet to be honest with you um but i really love the sammy Guevara. sorry uh the the jericho and sting interaction here um I, i i was certainly surprised to hear that these two had never shared a ring together and the fact that both of them just happened to have bat gimmicks i thought just made this that much more perfect so it, it seems like it'll build to a really nice little t- tag team match what do we get further look at that honest? guy in the white shirt i mean the guy is just like man i bought a ticket here to washington and look what they're giving me yes yes yeah what do you think it's like so does it stop at the tag team match what else do you think it it leads to do we get any further big match between sting and jericho i could certainly see a singles match at at some point between these two it seems like that that would be a natural to to do uh, at some point i i guess you're curious to see if there's any role at I have to imagine Sting is on Forbidden Door, just given all the history with New Japan. And he had, you know, a pretty standout performance last year. Probably so many of those guys want to work with him as well. I wonder. I wonder. Um, it's getting to be a pretty big show, you know, already. So is there a it's role? four for- matches. Well, I, with a lot of people still left to go. I mean, you have like a punk match, you know, that, that I think at least has, at least has been rumored. Um, like, is there going to be a spot for Sting? Maybe. I mean, last year, how many matches do we have on that card? Too many. What? Um, it was a great it, card last year. Wanted so. to correct myself. So people in the chat are saying Justin Roberts did call for the ten minute. So, but beyond that, nothing else. Oh, I did. I did not hear Justin Roberts at all in the main event. Um, well, there you have it. Sonata has sent in a video, and he's issuing an open challenge for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship at Forbidden Door. More on that to be determined later. Orange. Well, why Cassidy- don't we just talk about it now? Well, Jack Perry accepts it later in the show during a segment with Hook, and he wants Hook to be in his corner. And it's certainly giving you um, the indication that has been consistent on television since Double or Nothing that Jack Perry uh, is eventually turning here. And this gives an out here, I think, for him to blame Hook if he loses. He said Hook is your his best friend. 
And, yes. Uh, yeah. It's the summer of Jungle Hook. The summer of Jungle Hook. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think to be quite honest with you, like when Sonata put out the open challenge, you know, my mind was kind of going crazy about po- possibilities. I was like, you know, trying to calculate like when, when is it, when is Kyle O'Reilly going to come back? You know, um, Jungle Boy wouldn't have necessarily been at the top of the list of like these sort of like dream title match opponents for a Sonata. But if the match result is something towards the direction of a heel turn, I, I mean, I think in ring it'll be solid, but then coming out of it, maybe it'll make that match that much more worthwhile too. You're talking about at this point, like this is certainly fourth from the top, you know, for a new Japan Pro Wrestling World Championship title match. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not one of the marquee matches on, on the show, but it's, I mean, that's, like Sonata is not necessarily your big marquee import from New Japan either. I mean, that is sort of this championship role that he is in at the moment that I like he is not in the same vein of an Okada. He is not in the same. It, he's just not in that space as an as an Osprey or someone that is going to headline a card like this. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, the eight man tag with the Mogul Embassy against Cassidy, Darby, Sting and Keith Lee. And Brian Cage is all dressed up as like Sting circa 1996 with the black tights with a scorpion on it and the face paint uh, as well. And Taz brings up the history that they had when Team Taz was feuding with Darby and Sting as well. So I guess mm-hmm. this is meant he he dresses up as as him to acknowledge their their past. It's just fun to dress up, put paint on your face. I guess so. No one else on his team took part yeah. in this ritual like Brian Cage. They're like, dude, what are you what are you doing? That's the opponent. You bought you bought new tights for this match? <laughs> it's a little odd. <laughs> you have tights. Maybe oh. next time Sting's going to dress up like Brian Cage. Um, how would he possibly do that? <laughs> what would that entail? Shaving uh, a mohawk in his head and gaining like you know a lot of muscle mass? He's not going to do it in Chicago next week. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll he'll choose a different okay. uh, target. All right. So we get Stinger splashes right out of the gate onto Swerve. Daniel Garcia is watching in the back, and then they get the heat on uh, on Darby for about half the match here until the big tag is made to Keith Lee. And this dude just incredible halts everyone. He is throwing everyone, and he gets hit with a monkey flip by Brian Cage, and he goes to land on his feet, but then slips and falls. But the crowd, I mean, they didn't want to boo this this spot because it was he was so close to landing it, but I mean, if this was, it was impressive enough. I mean, imagine being like 300 pounds and trying to land on your feet after a monkey flip, you know, listen, we can't applaud them sticking the landing in a 30 minute draw and then (laughs) criticize when the landing is not hit here, which it was not cage. Then hoists up Lee and they hit a big swerve stomp off the top. Darby breaks up the cover and then everyone is in Cassidy's got his hand wrapped and goes for an orange punch, but is nailed with the F five by cage sting attacks con. There's a, Coffin drop to the floor and Sting goes for the Scorpion death drop, but Cage hoists him up for the F5. Orange Punch stops it and Sting is able to complete the death drop, pinning Brian Cage, who was probably so happy to get pinned by his idol in 850. And Daniel Garcia was one of the few that was not impressed uh, with this match, but this was, this was a fun Sting exhibition with, with mixes of Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen and Keith Lee thrown in there. I thought this was an excellent eight man tag. You know, this had like the feel of like that, that type of palate cleansing match that I think could follow a whole lot of like other 
matches on the card. Like it's it's it would be perfectly placed after like incredibly dramatic, you know, thirty minute match, for instance. I love the Mogul Embassy in this. The team is basically just Swerve with his three monsters backing him up, each one playing a significant role. I love the triple power bomb spot with Swerve Swerve finishing it with the uh, uh double stomp here. I thought every baby phase had his moment, you know. Um, and of course, as usual with these Sting matches, lovingly set the stage for Sting to come in, maximizing the few spots that you know he could still do faithfully um and again like man we talk about is the is the goldberg um sort of like discussion still still alive right now or are we kind of shelving that for for the moment because i see like sting in these matches and i just i kind of am really excited to think about the possibility of how goldberg would be treated in in a similar situation he's not a guy who could do a maybe you know a 30 minute wrestling match at all but he could do a really nice looking spear Dude, look how this match was structured we had eight people in this this was under nine minutes with a commercial break in the middle mm-hmm. was anyone at the end feeling like someone got like yeah like con and toa leona weren't focused but this match wasn't about them like all the baby faces had their everybody left this match with a positive impression. This was like these matches. It's the sting experience for the live crowd. And then it's just mixing in. Everyone knows their spot and they all got different spots. And again, this was all in nine minutes. And I didn't feel at the end it was rushed. You got everything you needed out of this. And surprisingly, Sting's doing a match next week. Like this is a very quick turnaround of the like this was what Sting's first match since March. Oh, something like that it might be he might be wrapping up soon well, he's got to get them in get in all his dream matches renee interviews the guns who uh evade the question about what their relationship is with uh jay white and they issue a challenge to the hardies who they call washed and over the hill and they want to face them in chicago next week so that means we have sting wrestling on the show next week the hardies wrestling next week and uh, more announcements to come Wardlow against Jake Hager for the TNT Championship. Hager jumped Wardlow at the entrance and then starts working on the ankle of Wardlow, including applying the ankle lock during the break. Wardlow uses an up kick to escape. And then Menard and Parker come out, approaching Arn Anderson when Arn reaches in for the imaginary Glock. But it's not the Glock that gets pulled out. It's the Brock who comes out and destroys Menard and Parker, taking them all to the back, including Arn. So Arn has disappeared. Wardlow is limping, has to do a bit of selling, but makes his comeback with the swan dive. Straps come down, two power bombs, and pins Hager in seven minutes and 12 seconds. And he is in the ring. Christian and Luchasaurus appear on the screen, and Christian starts cutting his promo, and there is no audio. And dude, Wardlow, to his credit, just tried to play this off, and he's making like jokes about like the guys all talk, and we can't even hear him. And then the audio kicks in. And Christian gets his promo in where they are taking Wardlow up on his open challenge for collision. Luchasaurus will challenge him for the title, but he will have to do it without Arn Anderson, who has been left bloodied and beaten in the back here. And this brings up the big question. What happened to Brock? Oh, interesting. Brock went to the back with all of them. Hmm. Is Brock secretly working with Christian? If you bleed with Christian, you yeah. fight with Christian. We never saw the the destruction of Brock. He was just, we opened the door and Brock was laid out. Right. So, um, possible, sure, yeah. I thought the match was okay. You know, there's really nothing wrong with it. But I I feel like the standard of the show is so high, not just like in terms of like you know in ring ability, but I think in terms of surprise and like special 
quality, whether it be like, you know, a match that goes 30 minutes with an incredibly timed finish or a sting sort of like hyper paced high spot type of match. This was, this was a ward low match. And we've, you know, outside of like that spectacular, like uh dive off the ladder, I, I can't really name like too many, like surprising, memorable ward low things. And, 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 and unfortunately this one will just kind of fade into memory. Hiroshi Tanahashi has also sent in his video. They were very busy in new Japan over the past week, and he has issued a challenge to MJF. So Renee goes into the trainer's room where MJF is being treated and tells him about his match being made for Forbidden Door. And MJF turns it down. He says, I'm not facing some rando from some indie fed in Japan. And this won't be the first time I no-showed something I was booked at. But then later in the show, they state it's official MJF against Hiroshi Tanahashi. So I did not understand the uh, the angle here unless we're going to have MJF protesting this over the next week. But they went from him turning down the challenge to it's happening. Well, you can turn, you can not show up is what he's suggesting. He's saying like, you know, despite the booking, despite the advertising. That's not what they said when this graphic came up. They did not say that is this match going to happen? It was not in doubt. It was it's happening. Well, we, in reality, of course, we all know it's, it, it's actually happening, but I think it's, it's true to the MJF anti New Japan pro wrestling character to, you know, say that he's above this New Japan pro wrestling nobody, Hiroshi Tanahashi. <laughs> so if he can, if he can turn down this challenge, but he is still booked into it, how's that any different from Adam Cole demanding a rematch and MJF turning him down? Can't they just book the rematch now since this guy took him to the limit? Um, but what what's what incentive does yeah they could yeah they could sure i mean i don't i don't know what what sort of like uh you know booking powers uh if tony Khan wanted to book an adam cole versus mjf match then yeah but the the context of tonight was adam cole demanding five more minutes right there and mjf but i'm saying the the natural next promo from adam cole is asking for a rematch and in theory mjf should well, it doesn't Cole matter what MJF to, says. It should be Adam Cole wants a rematch and they book it. No, Cole would have to convince Tony Khan that he should be booking him in a rematch first. Yes. Okay. All right. So Renee, I like this match a whole lot. I think it's, you know, one of the best heels in wrestling today versus one of the greatest baby face wrestlers of all time. So um, on a show with like Osprey and Omega, it's going to be hard for these two to steal the show and be match of the night. But I mean, I think it could certainly live up to the incredibly high standard of these, tri- like what really does feel like it could be like legitimately built as a triple main event type of show. Um, this looks already outstanding on paper and we're not even done talking about all the new matches. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll get to the rest. It'll be an interesting match. It will see how much time there is. This is also, you know, we're getting pretty close to the G1. I don't know if Tanahashi is um, going out there to have um, uh, a show stealer versus this is my U.S. match of the quarter and I'm going to go out and it's always a respectable performance that no one's going to complain about. But is it going to be the match of the show? I, I don't know if that's going to be the case either. Like Tanahashi has, you know, he gets by on a lot of, you know, equity with the audience that is going to be red hot for this and yeah but know, i don't consider I it very hard to compare this to some of the the, it, the big two on it's not show. going to be the physical like you know incredible um performance that you would expect from you know okada versus osprey i don't think we're expecting that but to me like i don't necessarily think a, a, a tanahashi performance where he relies brilliantly on his selling and psychology is phoning it in i think that's him so i'm not showing- saying that i'm not saying that at all i'm just stating that this is if this is like 
a 13. It'll be impressive in its own way. You know, and, and I would contend that it's probably better off, you know, having its own place with a different style on this show as opposed to something like what Omega and Osprey would present. Um, again, like you have an incredible heel and an incredible baby face and that combination mm-hmm. can't fail. So I look forward to seeing what they can do. Renee interviewed Orange Cassidy and he's got no challenger lined up, but he's pretty sure someone's going to pop up and walk in. And with that, we hear the introduction, Orange Bollocks. And in comes Zack Sabre Jr. to meet Orange Cassidy. And he challenges him for Forbidden Door because he wants to become a double champion. So Daniel Garcia enters and he notes that Zack doesn't even work here. And he also wants the title, but he also wants Shibata's ROH pure title. And with Cassidy being Shibata's buddy, this leads to the setup of a tag match for Dynamite next week, which with Orange Cassidy and Shibata against Zack Sabre Jr. and Daniel Garcia. Yeah, even that tag, that tag bench alone sounds really amazing. So, you know, uh, I think, you know, obviously we're getting Zack Sabre Jr. versus Orange Cassidy, which in and of itself, I think is outstanding. Um, it sounds like, like it's just for the international title. That's yes. the way I, I took this promo to be. Yeah. So, so no, you uh, the 15 minute time limit or anything yeah. like that. But you're talking about like, I think two of the, you know, wrestlers on like one of the, like two hot title runs, you know, meeting uh, together right now. Um, in that combination, I don't really know what, what it'll look like, but I'm really curious to see it. You know, like, I don't even hate the idea of Zach winning this title and coming back to defend it at all in. No, you can't end the Cassidy title reign yet. I think it, it needs to end with an AEW person. Like you could do anything, obviously, but I feel like they built this up so big for somebody like a swerve, you know, that I, I, I don't, wouldn't anticipate it. Um, and also Shibata versus Garcia, you know, is that something that they also put on Forbidden Door or did they save that for ROH? Yeah, I could see that more for ROH. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a possible option for Forbidden Door, but I would, I, I would, I would say that more as something for, for ROH with the pure title. Is Shibata on this show? Cause like, you know, um, if, if New Japan wouldn't book him on their own shows, would they allow him to be booked on Forbidden Door? I guess we'll see next week. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not included in, in, in Forbidden Door. Yeah. Tony Storm, Sky Blue for the AEW Women's Championship. Um, man, on paper, this felt like this was just going to be a random mm. title defense, but my God, did this crowd get into Sky Blue? It was incredible. The reaction that she generated, she was a phenomenal babyface in this match. She starts out of the gate with all of this energy. She hits a high cross and Ruby has brought out a cardboard cutout of Soraya, who is not there with them and is using this as a weapon. And it's Sky Blue having to overcome both of these. And Sky Blue, um, sends Tony Storm out to the floor and Sky Blue's mother is in the front row and is putting up the L to Tony, who then spray paints her mom in the face. So then Sky Blue lays out both Ruby and Tony with suicide dives, assumes her mom is fine, doesn't go to check on her, but her mom, I, I'm sure. Was her mom fine. looked fine. Like they cut to her like during picture in picture and she was just like clapping as if like nothing happened to her. So I don't know if she really got the memo about um how devastating this green spray is supposed to be. Maybe it was a. Uh... Maybe maybe she had some experimental mask for the experimental spray. She's, she's been working on her spray defense. 
So the crowd is all behind Blue here. Ruby slips Tony the spray paint can, but then Ruby, um, as she distracts uh, Paul Turner, Sky Blue has her own spray paint can and sprays Tony in the face. Place goes nuts, and she hits the code blue. Specifically blue paint, we're told by Excalibur. Yes, we had the blue paint and the green paint. So she hits the code blue, and this crowd is beside themselves because Paul Turner is still dealing with Ruby Soho, and they were totally buying Sky Blue is going to win this championship. And she super kicks Ruby off the apron. Storm then drops her onto the top rope. Storm zero. Every single person in this crowd thought this was the finish. So when she kicked out of the Storm Zero, they lost it. And then a Texas Cloverleaf ends Sky Blue. This was an unbelievable presentation of someone that, to me, was a really flat challenger. And they gave her so much. Looking at this is like the perfect example of not looking at, well, well, who went over in the match and who lost. Sky Blue got so much out of this loss. I, I think this was her most significant uh, involvement of anything AEW related uh, at, at this point, right next to her interview with RJ City last week, which was also pretty entertaining. It was a really, really good TV match at a time when I don't think we were, any of us were really expecting it. I mean, 930, your women's match, not a whole lot of like hype put around it, um, but it felt like it was a pay-per-view caliber match. You know, blue looked tremendous here. Great, energetic, fiery offense. I thought the blue paint to counter the green paint was actually a really creatively like, you know, crafted spot. Um, I think she's been progressing just absolutely wonderfully. I, I feel like we need to maybe get more of a character presence, more storyline actually given to her rather than just, you know, in-ring performances. But I think the audience is ready for that now. You know, this is a match that like greatly elevates. I think that everybody's interest in wanting her to take a bigger role. So this was very good. Yeah. She was banned from church when she was a kid. Did you know that? I did not know for she what reason. Was, uh, it sounds like she was like a like an altar girl or something. And so you oh. know how they have the uh, the candles. Yeah, she lit another kid on fire. Oh my! That's that's banishment from the church. Yeah. So maybe a program with Julia Hart down the road. Hmm. Some sort. Maybe the fire starters. They are attacking Sky Blue when Willow Nightingale runs down, and this sets up the tag match for Collision on Saturday. Then we had the and, and what do you think that might mean for um for Bindor? Um, for any of terms, the participants there, Willow or Tony Storm? Well, Willow should certainly have a match on 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 the could show. that be the match Willow and Tony Storm, and how would they get out of that one? Uh, it could also be Willow and Ruby Soho on the on the show. Yeah, true. I could see it going that direction as well. Mm-hmm. The Jungle Hook segment that we went over. Danielson comes out for commentary, and then we run through the Forbidden Door card with the updated lineup, including MJF and Tanahashi and Sonata against Jack Perry. Uh, plus, we have Orange Cassidy and Zack Sabre Jr. So five matches confirmed so far for Forbidden Door. And really, like you have the the solid um, matches there, although you still have like your, your Moxleys and, you know, how many of these people are going to be fit onto this card, maybe in some like multi-mans or such, like you do have to fill out some of this card. And I would imagine that it probably means like lesser matches for those not announced yet. But still like when you're, when your sort of remainders are like, you know, um, the elite and, and John Moxley. Moxley. Yeah. Like the like, Bucks should have something big on that show. I mean, you know, I, I would assume the tag like, match, like FTR, like everyone was assuming would have something. I would assume like uh, Naito and like a Hiromu might, might make their way over here to fill out the show. Like when you have like people still without matches that are that good, this is already shaping up to be one of the best, ma- like 
cards ever on paper. So I also think it's going to do a real good pay per view number as well. Yes, like I have I think pretty so. high the hopes. The build this I, year I, I, has already been way better on TV. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so did you go over Rampage yet? Uh, no, because all I got was what did they announce besides? So Oscar? Tony Khan Online has announced Kanosuke Takeshita versus Bandito taking place. Oh, wow. Big match on Rampage, the type of matchmaking I think more aligned with uh, that sort of championship uh, Friday edition. And then also Chaos, the best friends in Rocky Romero versus the United Empire, Jeff Cobb, uh, Will Ospreay, and Kyle Fletcher. Kyle Fletcher. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it, probably sounding like, uh, unless there's some surprise uh, recovery in time, like Mark Davis probably not figured into a- anything for, for next week. Um, or else... Well, it's it was arthroscopic surgery, so I mean that's it's not a, a super long uh, recovery behind that. Young Bucks and Hangman Page against John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, and Wheeler Yuta in the main event. Bucks out in cowboy attire with Hangman, and they're working on Nick at the beginning of the match. And Moxley, at one point, it appeared he like injured his elbow because he tags and rolls out, but came back and appeared to be fine. Nick does his Northern Light spot, and Danielson starts yelling, stating he could have had several pins during those Northern Lights, but he didn't. Why? They hit a doomsday device on Matt Jackson. He kicks out. Moxley applies the rear naked choke. It's broken up by Nick with a swanton off the top. And then it's a super kick party to all three members of the BCC. Hangman hits the pop-up power bomb on Yuta, BTE trigger, and buckshot lariat as Hangman pins Wheeler Yuta to get the victory. And when I saw 9.56 p.m., I was like, oh boy, there's a lot coming our way. And there was. Claudio and Moxley come in for the attack, and then Eddie Kingston, the man who quit AEW, he's back. He comes out and attacks Claudio and then hits an hurricane to both Yuta and Castagnoli, turns around, and he goes face-to-face with John Moxley, and we don't know where things are going to go. So Matt Jackson attacks Moxley. Kingston is trying to stop Matt. Everyone's arguing, and then Takeshita comes out to booze and nails Kingston from behind. Then Kenny Omega makes his entrance. He storms to the ring going after Takeshita, landing a V-trigger and a Snapdragon. The crowd is still chanting for Eddie as he goes for, uh, he goes to continue his attack on Takeshita when all of a sudden Will Ospreay enters the ring and lays out Omega, hitting him with the Stormbreaker. And you've got Danielson applauding Ospreay. Don Callis is out applauding him, even though he was called a no good Canadian by Will last week. And then Excalibur, who's just uh, going a million words a second, casually mentions Will Ospreay is going to wrestle on Rampage. Dude, so much happened oh, in these God. last four minutes. I don't know if anything has happened in this span of four minutes oh, to end an AEW broadcast before, but I my head was twirling like a basketball. It it really had the feel of like um all in or all out i should say from uh, 2021 where it's just like one big surprise after another and it just built to this incredible climax each surprise topping the next you know like having eddie kingston show up after all this time i think is very significant you know he's always 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 going to elicit a major crowd reaction and no matter how big the star power is in the ring eddie kingston will sway the crowd and this crowd was was appropriately chanting for eddie but then you have the kenny you have Takeshi, you have kenny coming then you have Takeshi to run it and then will osprey at the end of it all topping it off um the match was outstanding first of all we're not even talking talking about the match you know you had the elite finally like be able to beat the bcc and they did it using 
a similar style, not not in like sort of, you know, that that very like submission based, like technical, brutal striking style. But in terms of pace, like you saw very much like a BCC level of like intensity, but, you know, applied to the elite and and and, and hangman pages own like high flying offense and um a rare loss for the BCC, an incredible match um, here. And then just leading right into this incredible crescendo, again, building one entrance off of the other, seemingly um, obviously building, of course, to a whole lot for Forbidden Door. Um, but also, I wonder if you are setting the pieces in place here for what might ultimately be a, a form of a blood and guts match. Um does Eddie Kingston now take up one of those spots in the elite, you know, to join them against the BCC? I think that's where you're left is which side would Kingston be? Like he has reasons to, he has reasons to be with the BCC with Moxley. He also has reasons to oppose the BCC with Claudio. Yeah. I don't see him like turning heel and joining the BCC. So, you know, like we were of course taught expecting like somebody like a, a, a Kota Ibushi. Kenny Omega has said that he's uh, asked, you know, he's, he's been looking for friends from the, the U S to join or sorry, from Japan to join him. We don't know who that is yet. Uh, no, he but, said he was going to another country and they said it's not uh, Canada. So what, what country was Eddie Kingston hiding in? Maybe uh, he went to uh maybe he went for a European tour. <laughs> Well, listen, um, we also did have Brian Danielson at the end of here clapping, um, uh, you know, for Will Ospreay in support of his beatdown of Kenny Omega. So I could very much see, you know, either the Wednesday before Forbidden Door or even the Saturday before Forbidden Door. I think Saturday. Tag team match, Omega and Okada versus Brian and Ospreay, which is already like a holy shit match in and of itself. That's how you, that's how you clear 2000 tickets in Toronto. Oh, oh my God. Like just the, the amount of pieces that they have to work with. I mean, and you have like, you know, everybody coming back for, for a collision as well. You have CM Punk coming back. It's just like this show made me so excited about the next few months of AEW. There's months of stuff in just oh. this scene in the last 10 minutes of Dynamite that you have so many different pieces uh, to go with. Like it seems like everyone's healthy. It's like there are a lot of pieces to work with here. And uh, like to me, it's like the glue of this whole thing is, or at least the hope is like, does CM Punk bring all of this together and present this like cohesive vision of where these shows can go? And does he like sort of, is he that nucleus that really drives the, this, yeah. this business forward and can bring, um, a larger audience to, to, to this show on Saturday night? But man, it's, you have a lot at your disposal and you don't have like that that big setback of someone like breaking their foot or uh, uh, just an untimely injury that screws up all these plans. It seems like, man, mm -hmm. you've got pretty much the full deck here it, right down to your like Miro's and Andrade's and everyone coming back. You got two full decks, not just, you know, you've got the new Japan, Japan. Uh, yeah. at, at your disposal. And all of this is like your real peak is August 27th, like at all in like your biggest mm -hmm. show in the company's history. So it was a, I thought this was an outstanding edition of dynamite. I just, I love that MJF Adam Cole match, but you had the eight man, you had the, the, the trios match at the end of the night. Um, and all these, uh, the setup for forbidden door. I mean, compare this to last year where everyone was like dogging on the forbidden door buildup. And mm -hmm. I think that the punk injury sent like that to me was the first time I saw like, to me, the, the booking was a mess after that. I think trying to put all those pieces together and granted a lot of people just remember that it turned out to be a great show and did very good business forbidden door, but those weeks leading up to it, I mean, it was very criticized. And this year 
it's been a very simple buildup. It's like the, the matches sell themselves. We don't need a dozen angles to build up. But like outside of like Danielson and Okada, at most, we're going to get like some stare down over this next week. But that's about all you need for Danielson. You don't and need Okada. anything else. You don't need anything more with o- Omega and Osprey. Like it was helpful tonight, but if they had gone in cold, I, I don't think it's, um, well, the first match was it build enough on its own. The fact that the first match, you know, still exists as a lot of people's number one contender for, um, match of the year at this point, I think is, is more than enough. I, you know, like part of me was, um, like Will Ospreay came in here and without any sort of like AEW television in months elicited a main eventers type of reaction. So I think it's, it's more than enough to tell you anybody watching AEW sees this guy as a top level guy, you know, somebody who can headline a pay-per-view justifiably and somebody that you would pay to see to go up against Kenny Omega. Um, I'm just so excited for this show. I'm so excited for like, you know, even like what, what AEW has in store for on its own uh, outside of it. So we're in for uh, hopefully a few really solid weeks, if not months of programming. Let's do some feedback. And uh, if you want to get in a super chat, you have a couple minutes, you can uh, send those in as well. Yeah. Let's first of all, go here to, Muggin, who sends a super chat, says, congrats, Sino and Kate from Montreal. Yeah. So, uh, again, um, I'm very excited to hear those two along with, uh, John this Saturday on our AEW collision review name to be revealed this Saturday in the post wrestling cafe. Do sign up and you will be able to watch them. No matter if you're a video patron or an audio patron, we will be able to get video up there for you guys. All right, let's go also to Jake, who sends $5. Thank you for the support, Jake. He says, if you don't mind, I want to send my thoughts to those talented people affected by the Bell slash TSN layoffs today. Really sad day again for broadcasting. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, sadly, there's quite the the frequency in media as a whole. And today, um, yeah, Bell and TSN, like there was just a, a bloodletting. Uh, I don't know how to put it any worse. It's it's terrible. And it's uh, something that happens at, at quite quite a reg- uh quite a regular basis uh regardless of you know US media like you just saw the the athletic this week that that lost um a, you know 20 reporters which represents like um you know the the athletic is like that's still like 4% of their reporters gone this week and then with uh yeah bell media uh, today as well it was like 1260 is being uh, shut down in edmonton so it's it's a very difficult time in in media as a whole and i think that it's um you know, I'm, I'm very thankful that people support us because I mm-hmm. honestly believe it's, um, we're, gr- I'm grateful every day that we get to do this because, um, we would be right there, you know, um, just as susceptible. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very volatile industry. It's a really tough industry to be in. At the I, moment, I, so. I can honestly tell you, like, I would not be entering the, this industry. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't feel like I would be looking for a different pathway. Like I just think the career trajectory now will be, if you are someone coming out of school, it is like just busting your ass to try and find like a niche for yourself. And if you get a job with any of these major broadcasters, it would be the idea of you build up your name for a year or two before, you know, the next step will be hopefully taking whatever notoriety you can take and hopefully make it your own and, and try and go that way of like smaller media outlets that can keep expenses exceptionally low. And, you know, the, the idea of like big broadcast outlets, like you will still have your mammoths out there, but for Mm. day-to-day reporters and such, like it's, it's just contracting at such an alarming rate. And there's going to be a lot of people that are 
forced out of the industry. And that just as a whole, uh, that concerns me about journalism on a, on a higher level. And, and for all the people that, you know, maybe were lucky enough to keep their jobs. I mean, upward mobility is, is also affected by something like this, you know, knowing how, uh, how much people are cutting back. I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult for everybody. So yeah, our thoughts with everybody affected. Let's go to Sean from Albany, New York. Hey, guys, hot show all around. Great to see Eddie Kingston back. I'm pleased with more replays during the episode to cover for the camera work. Missing some moves. Hangman almost wiped out that cameraman. The only thing that dragged was the Wardlow match. I'm not sure what the disconnect is, but for me, he isn't working. This feels like an Arn Anderson story featuring Wardlow more than it feels like a Wardlow story. The craziest thing is that there's another TV champion in Orange having an epic run at the same time. I think these two characters, when compared side by side, highlight an issue with AEW, where if you aren't at least bringing some creativity to your own character, there doesn't seem to be any extra to go around, which sucks because there was all that story around Wardlow's father and no follow-up. I want to like this guy. How would you improve him if you agree or disagree? I wouldn't say they're not following up on it. I mean, that's the whole connection with Arn is that he sees them as like, like that was the line tonight. Like your father-like figure we're taking away from you. I think some of it also comes down to like, you have a much more dynamic performer in Orange Cassidy than you do Wardlow. And Mm -hmm. I would say the Arn affiliation has helped because I would say like three, four months ago, I think Wardlow was like treading water and not doing it successfully. This has at least brought back some of the steam behind him, but we're not at like pre MJF split level where everything built up to that TNT title win, which was only a year ago. Yeah, I think there's just like a special quality that's missing that a lot of people in AEW currently have. Um, I think it would be fun in year one, you know, to have like some like this version of Wardlow, maybe take up one of the spots, win one of the championships. But you're at this point now where everybody who's in a significant role is outstanding and has some level of like deep connection with the audience. And Wardlow has yet to find it. You know, um, I think they've relied too much on the gimmicks of, um, either like, you know, the, the, um, uh, security guards, uh, or also just even this powerbomb thing. Um, it doesn't feel fresh and it doesn't feel impressive enough on a show when you're talking about like what really feels like the best of the best in the industry. So I think he needs to find that and he needs to find that fast. Oftentimes in these sort of situations, it tends to result in like them turning the guy heel to see if he might be able to find some sort of edge and some sort of like freshness. And maybe that's an option. Um, but even then, like those are really like high standards to live up to being a heel in AEW. So we'll see what they can do. Let's go to Muggin, who says a strongly bookended show. Cole and Friedman going to a draw is a far better outcome than MJF squeaking by via schmoz. No kissing sisters here. Kissing sisters. A very dated uh, reference. Like uh, a tie is like kissing your sister, which uh, I, I don't know is uh, oh. that used of a term anymore. Okay. No kissing sisters here. It begs for a rematch once Forbidden Door is in the rear view. Arguably Adam Cole's best match of his AEW run so far. Bryce was on point. The ending was insane as Eddie Kingston made his return. He's got a score to settle with Claudio next month. And I was blindsided as Will Ospreay showed up. DC got its world rocked. Sidebar, I never thought Guevara would be the first to ditch the JAS. Should have been Garcia. 
And the last word goes to Brian in New Jersey. Cool news about Jimmy Jacobs. Even cooler news about Kate and Sino. Really hot show. Terrific match between MJF and Adam Cole with a surprising finish. Done quite well. Very fun eight-man tag and a fantastic main event. The closing minutes were bananas, and I loved it. Great to see so many on-screen appearances from New Japan talent ahead of next week's Forbidden Door. With this show and everything else to come, it seemed like AEW has that hot commodity in wrestling momentum. At the start of the eight-man tag, the word... No appeared briefly across the screen. No clue what's being teased, if anything. Uh, did you did you notice this? I did, and I thought uh, maybe probably like um, some people. I, I was watching on Fight uh, on AEW Plus, and I thought it, I, oh, it, it appeared on your feed too. Yep, I I thought I hit a button and, and to cause it, but um, it appeared for everybody. Now, could it be a tease for something? Possibly. Well, see, if it happens again, it seems like a pretty. Could it be just some sort of weird technical issue? Like that, on, that, on that was my thought. Was it was just like a technical problem that they had? Um, yeah, but I, I guess that's possible like, too. So. Yeah, someone has hijacked the feed. Uh, do you see Jack per- Perry turning heel on Hook, or is he really that earnest? I think everyone sees that as a direction, but they they should play it out. They should play it out for. I I think it's way too soon to to have them split. You know, like uh, I hope they have a slow bird here, but uh, because there's still a whole lot more for the two of them to benefit from be from teaming together. Uh, let's go to one last super chat here, coming in at the last minute from Chris from L.A., the professor himself. He's he's got a random question: Who's got the best chance of being a world champ before the year's up? Adam Cole or Logan Paul? Um. I would say both have decent uh, chances of that happening. I would not have said it for Logan Paul if not for the addition of uh, the Seth Rollins belt, but I would think now that's not out of the question. I'll say Adam Cole over Logan Paul. Yeah. I don't see Logan Paul as needing this championship, nor do I think – I also don't need Logan Paul to necessarily be a weekly character. I think he does work as this guy that does show up periodically. Um, I just don't know if he would be necessarily – uh, increasing to a weekly character. And, and if there would be some, oh, he, he gets to get his big match and probably does a lot of prep for that, that match. And it is a bit of a different demand if it, he were to go to that level and if he would be, um, I don't know if he would need to be a weekly character. I think he would need to have weekly presence, you know, through like pre-tips or whatever. But that could sort of be the the workhorse title way. Well, that he's he's taking the workhorse title and he's icing it. He's he's giving the workhorse title a part time schedule. You know, it could work. And and certainly in terms of headlines, Logan Paul wins WWE championship. Like that's something Nick Khan, I'm sure, would salivate over. So. I think there's a very good chance that it could possibly happen. Um, is it more likely than Adam Cole winning? I mean, maybe a better question is, do you think Adam Cole wins by the end of this year? Does he win the championship? Um, I'll say no. I don't know about that either. Um, certainly if this, like, you know, tonight was any indication they're building up for a big rematch for Adam Cole and MJF. And does Adam Cole beat MJF in that instance? Who else for MJF? You know, like who else would be better than Adam Cole to take it off of MJF? Um, it could be Punk. Could be. Yeah, I, 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 it's a hard one to answer, Chris, but I would probably go with Adam Cole as well. Yes. And congratulations to Chris, who was uh, married over the weekend. Yeah. So congratulations to the, uh, to the couple. Okay. We're going to sign off. But we're coming right back. We have the double shot that is right around the corner. So for all of our Post Wrestling Cafe members, you can jump on over now. Postwrestlingcafe.com or video.postwrestling.com. $6 signs you up, gets you a month of access right out of the gate. And 
access to the double shot to rewind away on Thursday, rewind to SmackDown, and then our collision review on Saturday night. So we will be up in about two minutes chatting about Tuesday's edition of Dark Side of the Ring. Good night. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.